Uh, it is an honor for us to be here uh, in front of you today. Uh, me personally, it's just an honor to be up here with Ogo. Um, you know, uh, no, it's true, because I, I mean, you guys know how great she is, most of you. I, I, don't, I don't have to tell you. Um, but uh, it is truly an honor. She is. She's wonderful. She's magnificent in every single way. So just to be here um, and to, to just share our hearts with you is an honor. Um, so thank you. And um, uh, amen. She didn't know I was going to say that. So uh, it wasn't in the script. Right, right. Uh, but we, we love you guys. We truly do. Um, we, we see you as family, even our kids. They just, they, you know, they feel like everyone here is just a bunch of aunties and uncles. Uh, and that's what they call you. So it's true. So we truly see you as family. And um, we're just excited. We want to talk to you uh, today just about victorious living. Um, you know, we believe um, that we are living victoriously. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, not only victorious living, but revival is here right now, and revival is part of that victory. Um, you know, we pray for revival, but I, I just want you to understand that revival, in my opinion, it never stopped. It, it's ongoing. Every last one of you who knows Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a revival story. And, and revival never stops, you know, and we're excited because revival, what we pray for, we're in the middle of it right now. There's so much going on across the world, across the country. There's tent meetings everywhere. If you don't know about it, look it up. Get a part of it. Pray for it um, because it is happening. And um, so we, we want to just talk to you about what God has kind of done in our lives and where we see victory. You know, um, I truly believe that I'm living a second life if that makes sense, okay? I, I got saved at 30 years old, and, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But the Bible says that we die with Christ and we're raised again, right? We, we have to start applying the practical application of the word of God to our lives. And that's a practical word. We died and we rose again with Christ. So this is my second life, and, and it's victorious. It's way more victorious than the first. Um, anything you want to? first time and thank you for those kind words and um, babe you know this is an amazing <laughs> I gotta say thank you right this um, I'm not very good with compliments so that threw me off um, but for those of you who are coming or kind of watching for the first time just want to say this is an amazing church to be part of um, you know for a lot of us at least for me I, I tried so many churches before I, I came here and you know you wouldn't see a lot of churches with the heart that the leadership in this church have um, when you look at the people that lead this church, it's not about money for them. It's not about influence. It's not about power. It's not about control. Um, it's about Jesus, and it's about seeing Jesus in your life. Amen. And, um, and as they're working things out and they are, you know, following after the Lord, their heart is just to see you follow after the Lord. And so we're just figuring everything out together as we go along. <laughs> Which is good, but the important thing is the heart is right. So if you're here for the first time, we definitely want to welcome you. Um, if you're wondering where to go, you know, if we are open, many places are closed. And that, again, is a testimony of the leadership of this church. 
Um, so that's so true. So yeah, babe, I mean, I, it's just everything he's saying, I 100% yeah. agree with. You know, the fact is, we are in a season where we believe that the Lord wants us to speak today about living victoriously. We had other messages planned, um, but this is what we're going to sit on. And we felt the Lord say, just share your story and share stories and testimonies about your lives. So that's literally what we're going to do, do today. Just share kind of stories and the key thing the Lord's, the key things the Lord's taught us. And we believe the reason for that is because we're in a season as a church where it's time for our light to shine. Amen. We're in a season as a church where you cannot retreat anymore. Gone are the days of retreating and trying to conform. There's no conformity anymore. You have to stand up and you have to tell people who you are. Because some people don't even know who Jesus is. Some people have never even heard of Jesus. Some people don't really understand the Bible. They think the Bible is just another good story. But the Bible is the word of God and the Bible should be your standard in living. Because the Bible is the standard. Because Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, they formed creation. Without them, we wouldn't be here today. So Jesus is the only way. He's the truth and he's the life. And so it's important that as Christians we understand that we have the essence of life. Where you are, life should be. Where you are, life should be. There should be no death where you are. And I understand that not everyone's at that place now where we maybe feel courageous or confident enough. Or even the belief might not be there. We're going to touch on that today. But then you should be working to get to that place. What is working? Spend time with the word of God. Because the fact, like Jamal said, the spirit of God is in you if you've given your life to the Lord. Which means the Bible says, as he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. So your spirit is the same spirit. The Bible says, you know, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in your mortal body and gives life to your mortal body. And so Jesus lives in your heart. Holy Spirit lives in your heart. Jesus is in you. He's, you have the same power he has. And so your spirit, yes, your soul and your flesh and your soul, you're still growing. But your spirit is like Jesus. You have the faith of Christ. The same measure of faith. Paul had when the dead was raised. You have too. So we believe that we're in a season where Christians pursue, overtake, recover all. That's the message of this season. Pursue, overtake, recover all. Not sitting in your house with five masks on your face crying. It's true. It's true. How are people going to know about Jesus? If you're sat there panicking, if you're sat there in fear, any principle does, that doesn't put God or human beings as priority is not of God. It's not of God. So it's important we understand that the Bible is the standard. It's not an option. It's the standard. And as you live your life according to that, you will see the victory of God in your life in every area of your life. As many of you know, we run a couple of businesses. One of them's a boutique in Brooklyn. So many people are getting healed. People are getting healed. They're getting set free. They come in and they ask for prayer. They come and go, I just feel light in this place. I say, it's Jesus. Because people are looking. And if you don't talk, how are they going to know? Amen. How are they going to know? Well, that's why I had to give honor. <laughs> okay. So, amen.
Um, so, uh, <laughs> but she's right. Everything that she said is 100% spot on. And, and, you know, when we talk about, <clears throat> you know, um, revival, when we talk about salvation, you know, we, we all have a salvation story. You know, and, and, and how often do you revisit your salvation story and, and think about how you got uh, saved, how you came to know the Lord? And, um, you know, as I mentioned before, I got saved at 30 years old. Um, you know, um, I grew up in Boston, um, you know, kind of a rough neighborhood. You know, 30 for many people uh, was a lifetime, you know. Um, you know, so, so God spared me in so many ways, um, but I didn't grow up in uh, a godly home. You know, we, we prayed for our food. You know, we thanked God for our meals. Um, you know, we even kneeled to pray at night, you know, and there was, uh, there was Bibles in the house open to Psalm 23. You know, a lot of the things that probably, you know, happened in some of your households, but, you know, we didn't go to church every Sunday. You know, we went on Easter you know, and uh, we'd, we'd get all dressed up nice and fancy. Uh, but that's what church was, Easter. And every now and then, I'd probably go with my grandmother. Um, you know, she, she would go to, uh, you know, the Catholic church. And I enjoyed going with her because she'd just give me mints the whole time. I'd sit next to her, and she'd just give me mints. So I'd just sit there eating mints the whole day. Um, but there was no actual real connection with God. And, you know, we would say things in, in passing, like, you know, thank God. It was no different than me saying, what's up to my friend? You know, that's because there was no understanding of what it actually meant. Um, and that's how I was raised, you know, but I, I was in the world, you know, I, I was addicted to marijuana, you know. Um, you know, I, I didn't try anything else. I was afraid of all the other drugs, but, you know, everybody around me smoked, so I did too. You know, I didn't smoke cigarettes, but that was my my thing. I had to wake up and, and, and get high every day. That's, that's how I was from probably my mid-teens up until I got saved. Um, you know, and um, <clears throat> just real quick, I, I, I remember God tried to get my attention so many times. And, and many of us, you, you probably can relate to that. And uh, I, re I remember when I was in high school, I was interested in this young lady. Okay, and um, and uh, yeah, I was interested, and she just she was she looked like Pocahontas. You guys know Pocahontas in the the stories books, and um, so I, I mustered up the courage to approach her, and um, you know she didn't shut me down. She said, "Yeah, just you know come to church with me and my family on Sunday," and um, <clears throat> she was a Pentecostal. So I didn't know anything about that, and you know for me I accepted because you know for us you know. You know, it was a, a saying that, you know, the church girls, they're really the naughty ones. That's what we used to say. No, it's, it's true. It's true. So, you know, to all of you ladies out there who are single and you're, you're, you're entertaining guys who don't know God or, or don't have a fear of God in their heart, just remember that. <laughs> remember that. And I'm not saying for all of them, but for many of them, you're just a challenge. Okay. You're just a challenge, and that's a whole nother story, but remember that. Uh, it's not worth it. It's not worth your time. So I went, um, not because I wanted to go to church, but I went, and um, that was the first time that I actually saw a church full of people speaking in tongues, like they just broke out in tongues, 
and the pastor just started, he grabbed the mic and he started walking down the aisles and he was praying and he was touching people and I just said, he better not touch me. And would you know, he came and he touched me and he put his hand on my forehead and he kept trying to push me and I wouldn't fall. I said, I'm not going to fall. And he just kept trying to push me. He kept trying to push me and he's, he's speaking in tongues and this is all foreign and new to me. And I'm just sitting there, but then he left. But what happened after he left is, is, is what really, I, I think, took a, 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 it chipped away at my, my unbelief and it chipped away at God trying to get my attention. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and as the service carried on, I start sweating. I start sweating. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know what's going on. It's like I don't have control of my body. All I knew to do was to go outside and get some fresh air. Um, I guess it's safe to say that we didn't end up dating. Um, but that was my first experience with speaking in tongues. And what I didn't know then was I was manifesting. That, that was deliverance was happening to me, and I didn't even know it. I, I had no idea. You understand? Um, but yeah, so that was what? I, I was a teenager. I was in high school. So it took another 12 years or so, 12, 13 years or so for me actually to come to get to know God. And I got saved in a church that once again, they, they didn't really talk about the gifts of the Spirit. They didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and all this thing. They actually taught that those things died off with the apostles. So I didn't have any understanding of that until I came to J-Hop. But I will tell you this, even though they didn't know that, they knew how to teach you about Jesus. And, and that's what led me to the Lord. And we, we talk about deliverance. See, I believe when you get saved, there are certain things that you miraculously get delivered from, and there's some things you need to walk out and work out with the Lord. When I got saved, immediately I had no taste for that marijuana anymore. The next day, the smell of it made me sick. Now, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know anything about Holy Spirit, any of that, because it wasn't taught. But the Spirit was in me, and I was able to be delivered from an addiction that had, had took over my life for at least 15 years. Amen? So, so I, I just wanted to, we want to give you a little background because my upbringing is completely different from Ogo's upbringing. Completely different. Uh, you know, we took two different paths to get where we are today. Um, and, and that's important. So I think Ogo's going to share a little bit right now. Yeah. And I think it's funny because he said he came to know the Holy Spirit when he came to J-Hope. So for those that don't know, we were working together. And um, he, um, I actually interviewed him. I hired him. I thought, oh, hello. Come on. And um, I didn't think of him in that way, but I just moved from England. So I thought, well, you know what? If he exists here, maybe I'll actually get married in America. So um, either way, we didn't like each other in that particular way. Not for a while. I just thought, I remember saying, I, I feel sorry for whoever marries you. Um, and then here I am married to him. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But I just found he was just so, like, um, 
firm and black and white. I'm like, everything's not black and white. Like, you've got to be able to just compromise sometimes. And he's like, no. I'm like, oh, my God, it's business. And so we kind of had all kind of, we were loggerheads for a while. Um, but either way, we obviously then got to know each other. And then, you know, we got married. But prior to that process, I would, I felt the Lord, when we were still just f um, friends or work colleagues, um, I was praying for him a lot because I knew that what was missing was just the power of the Holy Spirit or him being conscious of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's when I invited him to J-Hope and we weren't dating then. And the irony was I invite him to J-Hope and a minister comes, Jim Jorgensen, a prophet, and then calls us out literally and goes, are you together? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Here we are now together, married with three children. Um, but... The that was the first time I ever got a prophetic word. It was hilarious. So this prophet comes to J-Hop. I finally convinced him to come to church because the Holy Spirit is real. And I'm just praying for him at, the t at that time because I knew the Lord had a call on his life. And so he's like, okay, I'll come. And obviously I'm the boss, right? So I've got to be all professional. Like, you know, just come to my church, you know. So we come more like proper. And he shows up and he sits down and he's sat over there and I'm sat over here, right? And I'm praying the whole time, Holy Spirit, let get him, get him, get him on the floor, get him, right? And the prophet comes and if anyone knows Jim Jorgensen he's pretty like he's out there right and I he came comes in front of Jamal and I can hear Jamal in my heart saying don't talk to me <laughs> don't talk to me and would you know what what do you think Jim does yo and literally Jamal's face I thought he was gonna kill him Jamal was literally like this <laughs> but he prophesied over him and Jamal was blown away because he literally read his mail. And that was the start of the journey. Well, my story, literally, I was raised um, Christian, spirit-led, Pentecostal, ba Baptist, and then Pentecostal background. Um, and um, speaking in tongues, gave my life to the Lord. As young as four or five, I was speaking in tongues by eight years old. I knew the Lord, would have dreams, was very conscious of the spiritual realm. Um, a lot of activity. I was able to, I saw things from a young age, which was very petrifying because I didn't really understand what I would see. So I was very, I understood the spiritual realm from very, very young. See things in my room, see things walking around. Yeah, that's for another day. But <laughs> yeah, it was wild. And so I, I had to learn to come into my authority very young because I was riddled with nightmares, literally physical beings coming in to my, as young as my crib. I remember being as young as, um, two, two or so, two years old. And um, yeah, it was crazy in my crib, just going the thing, going up, down, up, down. So the Lord taught me, my parents taught me very young to just understand the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so when I saw things that were not of God, I would know what to do. And so that kind of became very normal and common, especially at nighttime when I would start seeing those things appear. Um, but so that was my background. However, um, there was a lot of performance um, for the Nigerian and African culture generally, probably the same in certain continents. There's a lot of performance. Um, you have to work, you have to work, you know. You have to work to get, you know, nothing. You can't be lazy, good work ethic. And so you tend to take that many times to the Lord. And so I didn't realize that I came to the US actually that um, I had a bit of an orphan spirit. So I had this kind of performance mindset I have to do to get. And, uh, and sometimes I didn't even know that I had this. But you'll know you have, and it's almost a religious mindset, right? Um, and so um, maybe if I felt I'd upset the Lord, then maybe I don't go to him. And if you do that, it's a religious mindset. So when you feel you've sinned, then you don't approach the Lord because you've sinned because he, he's not going to like you as much. But that's a lie because the Bible says that he died. Even, even yet when you were sinners, Christ died for you. 
We all know that Bible passage, right? But if you read the context of that, the point is, when you were sinners, he died for you. So do you think he loves you even more now? When you didn't even know him, you weren't tithing. You were doing all sorts of nonsense. He died for you. So now you're trying and you know him. He loves you even more now. So the law wasn't put for us to serve the law. Jesus annihilated all that. He's death for you. You're clean. It's not about what you do anymore, right? Because you're clean in your heart. He loves you. The only reason why he doesn't want you to sin, you see that in Romans 6.16, is when you start to sin and you sin repeatedly, you put yourself under bondage. You become a slave to sin and it stays to death. And the enemy has no good plan for you. So the reason why we talk about not doing certain things or why the law is what it is, is just so, in fact, the law was there just so you could see how impossible it is to keep the law. But you don't serve the law right? Jesus came and died for you. And so that was a, a, a revelation I, I didn't fully have, the understanding that Jesus loved me before I even gave my life to the Lord. I didn't have to do anything to earn it. I didn't have to perform to earn it. And so that was a revelation for me, which came to my understanding later. As a result of that, there was unbelief that was inserted. I had a, a misconception of God. Many times we have faith, but we have unbelief. And those things can negate each other out. Right? And that was a revelation that I came to later. You have all the faith in the world. But if you have the equal amount of unbelief, it kind of, it can negate each other, equalize each other. And so rather than trying to whip out your faith, which you don't need to. I mean, God says he gave all of us the same measure of faith. Work on your unbelief. Remove your unbelief. Do you understand what I mean? That, that, that's important that we yeah. that we grasp that you know many of us we want to increase our faith but it's not your crazy your faith that you need to increase it's your unbelief that you need to decrease and we need to focus on that we need to work on that we need to work so many of us as christians we we we're believing you know we believe for healing you know um, claudia prayed for finances we believe for finances we believe for all of these things, and we want all of these things, and, and we'll even get prayer for them, but there's a moment where unbelief creeps in, and we all know how to have the faith to receive these things. So, so you, 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 it goes from belief to receiving, and how do I know we all have the faith? Because we all believe that when we sin, that we've received forgiveness, right? We all believe that. Well, the same way you receive forgiveness is the same way you receive healing. It's the same way you receive financial blessings. It's the same way. It's the same faith. There's no more. There's no difference. That's why we have to go after destroying the unbelief in our hearts towards these things. That's good. And look, yeah, amen. In Luke 8, 37 to 43, I'll just read this quickly because this highlights the, part, the point that we're making, which is a really important point. Luke 8, 37 to 43, the next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, teach, I beg you, look at my son, for he's my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and it, it's destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. You, and then this was Jesus' response. So you've got this father who is absolutely, you know, 
upset, frustrated. His son um, is obviously really sick and he must be distraught. And look at what Jesus says. You unbelieving and perverse generation. That's his response. He says, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. And then Jesus delivers him. Now, you can't say the disciples didn't have faith because we know there was a few, um, you know, just recently, I think it was in Luke 10, the, the disciples came and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. So the disciples had faith. The difference was there was the unbelief was pretty high too. So there was faith, but there was unbelief. And Jesus got, it kind of pushed him, right? And he said, you unbelieve in generation. And so we have to check, rather than chasing your faith, and that's what the Lord's taught me over the years and is really on us with right now, deal with your unbelief and nullify the unbelief. Sometimes we don't see results. And I can only imagine if you think of this scenario, you know, sometimes it's how things look. So with this son, epilepsy, I've never seen someone who's epileptic, but I can only imagine it's probably quite frightening. You just fall on the floor, you're convulsing. So imagine the disciples probably go up there all fired up because they've delivered all these people, and this guy comes, and he starts to do all this crazy. And so what happens then? The unbelief. And so they couldn't cast those ones out, but they cast a whole bunch out. So could it be that whatever you're praying for right now and believing God for that you haven't seen breakthrough in is because of unbelief, not faith. And so definitely that's been, that was so, that was what I had to deal with. So though race Christian understood the word of God, but unbelief had set in through different personal experiences. I remember being very young and my grandmom lived with us and she had glaucoma and she lost her eyesight and we watched her gradually lose her eyesight. And I believed with all my heart she would get healed. All my heart. But she didn't get healed. Her eyes never got healed. And I didn't realize that a spirit of unbelief had set into me. I actually totally forgot about that story till the Lord revealed to me and he delivered me from unbelief. Because there's unbelief and there's also a spirit of unbelief and that's in the Bible where there's a spirit of unbelief, and I, it was, it, that was broken off of me, and that had set in, because I'd seen that happen, and I had come up with this lie that Jesus doesn't always heal. He heals sometimes, he doesn't always heal, so it depends. Also, misconceptions of the word of God, when you look at the Old Testament, and you see Elijah constantly sending fire down to kill people, it feels like, and so for some of us, we have these misconceptions because of this God of fire, God of judgment, and you don't look at the New Testament. And it's funny because I'll just give another quick verse. Because these are two critical things that I believe um, with Christians. And I know at least for me, those who have been believers for maybe a long time. And are wondering why we're not seeing breakthrough. This is a huge one. So obviously we know the story of Elijah calling down the, the, the fire and killing all these um, armies. I'll, I'll read it out. Second Kings. So Elijah answered the, it's Second Kings 1, 10 to 15. Elijah answered the captain, if I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then the fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his 50 men. Imagine watching that happen. As this king sent, as at this, the king sent to Elijah another captain with his 50 men. The captain said to him, man of God, this is what the king says, come down at once. Elijah says, if I am a man of God, may fire come down and consume you and the fire came. Imagine now being the third group. You better do something different, right? 
So, so the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. And the third captain fell on his knees. You better fall on your knees quick. Fell on his knees fast. And then obviously he went. So that's an interesting story when you read that. But that's Old Testament. Let's read the, what about the New Testament though? Because that's where we're at right now. Instead in the New Testament, if you remember the story with James and John, when they said to Jesus, command fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah did. Do you remember that story? What's Jesus' response? This is the New Testament. This is the era we're in now. Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. God isn't judging you. God did not make you sick. God is a good God. And so many times the Lord, at least for me, I began to realize that I had certain misconceptions about who God's, of God's nature because of the Bible, the Old Testament, and not fully understanding who he is through the New Testament. And so that's been an important process and that's been exciting to go through. And so that's how we both came. That's kind of, that's our backdrop, right? Our context. And that's how we've come to where we are today. Having said that now, it's interesting because what we're seeing now in the body of Christ is the need for us as believers to start to understand who we are as Christians. To understand what God has already done for us. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to beg for it. You already have it. And so the need now is just to start to walk in what you already have. That is so significant. And we believe that our stories over the years has highlighted that. I look at myself who's moved from the UK here. I believe that I was brought to the United States for such a time as this. Because we're in a time where we now have to stand up and just go. Just go. And that's where we're at. Amen. And don't, don't, don't be discouraged of, you know, 2020 and everything happening around you now. You have to look at what's happening in the world through a different lens. You, you can't look at it at the, uh, from the same lens as everyone else in the world or the same lens that the media is feeding you. You, you just can't. Um, you know, you have to look at it from a lens of victory. And, and, and it's taking on that posture just to realize that you are above. You know, God gave us dominion over everything in the land. And that means everything. It doesn't mean some things, doesn't mean good things, doesn't mean bad things. It means dominion over everything. That's, that's who we are in this day, in this hour, in this season. So it's no mistake that we're here um, during all the, what many would see as turmoil going on around us. Um, Can I give a testimony about dominion? So about two weeks ago, about two weeks ago, 
when we had the snowstorms and there was uh, there were snowstorms and things were kind of crazy. So um, the it was windy. It was really windy and um, windstorms, snowstorms, you name it. But the connection, the reception connection network was weak. We have three kids. They both had homeschool that day because of the weather. And so we were having issues with our um, computer connection. And obviously the Lord has us really deep in this right now, the power of God. And so I'm like saying to Jamal, I think I need to text the parents to say the kids won't be able to go on because none of the computers are working. The network is off. The Wi-Fi is off. And Jamal says, no, we're just going to pray. And this is about 10 minutes before they're supposed to go on. And like, we don't have time. And I'm thinking, pray. It's just homeschool. I don't even want to do it anyway. <laughs> There's nothing to pray for. Just text them, right? And then before I know it, Jamal's got the kids. Ellie, Elijah, hold hands. I'm like, oh, great. And so then we are holding hands. And then he's like, we command the wife. I'm like, you have to be joking. We are commanding Wi-Fi. Like, really? And literally, it's one of those ones where you're praying like this, right? Your eyes aren't fully closed. Like, all the kids are like, amen. I'm like, ah. What's really going on, right? He's like, we command you Wi-Fi. You come on. You did it. Wi-Fi came on. I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, oh, it's on. Okay, I guess we got to do homeschool. <laughs> but he, I, it's that thing of dominion. And the Lord revealed through that story for me that I didn't believe because I didn't think it was urgent. We all have unbelief in certain areas depending on our stories and how we see things. To him, it was important they got on there. And so he felt that was urgent. So what are areas where you don't have the faith for, but yet God has already given it to you? And, and for those of you who are parents, it was so important that we included our children in that process. They, they had to to see what we were doing. They had to be a part of it. They have to know that, and you know, when things happen, instead of calling Verizon, go to God first. You know, and, and, and you know, it's true, right? And the Lord kind of spoke to me in that moment. He said, make sure you grab the kids. They have to be a part of it. And I believe if Ogo and I prayed, he, he probably still would have done it, but I think it was significant that the kids were there and they, in their hearts, were agreeing with the words that I was saying when we were praying. Amen. Another one with dominion. So I um, didn't feel so good. I had a tooth issue a few weeks ago and just like severe pain. I'm brushing my tooth, severe pain. And again, this dominion word. And the Lord just said, just take dominion over it. And these are things where in the past, I'm like, it's tooth pain. I'll just go to the dentist, right? So that's the thing. We decide how much we want to give God to do. It's almost like we don't want to overwhelm you, God. You've got a lot going on over there. So you take care of the real big stuff. I take care of the little stuff, God. Okay, baby? All right, bum-bums. Right? And that's how we treat God. And so he's like, oh, okay. It's creator of heaven and earth, right? And he's like, there looking at us. And so that's been the... the what, the Lord's been challenging me with. And so, tooth pain, typically I'm like, it's no big deal, call the dentist, insurance, fix it. He said, oh God, take authority. And he reminded me of Genesis when he says, I've given you authority over all creeping things. And I felt like I had an infection. I could feel the infection. He says, you even have authority over viruses. So I took authority. The next day, it was completely gone. Soon later, I had a severe pain. Jamal was like, are you okay? I could barely walk. I said, I don't know what's going on. I think I've sprained myself. The Lord said, just take authority. What do you mean you've sprained? Take authority. I, well, it was gone. 
And so that's where the Lord has taken us to. I was diagnosed a few um, years ago, soon after having Ellie with Meniere's disease. So Meniere's is a, 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 an ish, a, a, a symptom, an, a disease that has symptoms that will cause your ears to get really stuffy. You have severe migraines. And I mean, like, it's crazy. Like, the world is spinning and you're stood right still. It's terrible. It's got a, well, the, um, those that are affected by it has a ridiculous suicide rate. It's that tormenting. You're always hearing words. You're always hearing sounds. You're always hearing loud sounds. You can't hear correctly. It affects your hearing and it can affect your brain. It's crazy. So most of you probably don't know this, but this, a few people do. So when, after I had Ellie, um, I would notice that I would um, wake up with um, just, not just dizziness, but the world would just start spinning. I, that's the only way I can explain it. And so Jamal and my mom would rush me to the hospital. And it kept happening. They would call it vertigo. It's severe vertigo. It's, but there was no explanation. And I began to lose my hearing. And it would, it would come more. It was more frequent. And so it became more dramatic. And um, they said, okay, it looks like you have Meniere's. It's connected to Lyme's disease, right? So you know how, uh, don't listen. My mom's a medical doctor, so I appreciate doctors but whose report will you listen to? And so they took me for a hearing test. Initially, my hearing was fine, but when I went back for another hearing test about a year or so later, I'd lost significant hearing in my left ear. And so everything looked like what they were saying. And, and so I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I love the Lord. I believe in God, right? So I'm hearing this, but of course I'm praying too. So I'm telling Jamal, he's like, okay. And when, those, when the episodes come, they're very violent. You're laying in bed and all of a sudden it's like, it's like you're in an elevator and it just goes down like a roller coaster that just goes down quick. It does that first and then it just keeps doing that for hours, just going down, going down. And in those moments, you just want to, you just feel like I'd rather be dead at this point, really. So you got a bucket and you're just throwing up. I'm just throwing up and everything in you, severe, severe migraines. Went on for years, praying about it, fasting about it. And that's when the Lord really started to get me with this unbelief. Because I'm like, God, I have faith. You can't tell me I don't have faith. Because I'm not, I've tried the medications, but I've stopped the medications. When you have that kind of a situation, they don't often recommend that you're, you drive or that you're on your own for long periods. Because if it comes anywhere, you're on your, you're on your own. You'll be on the floor. I didn't change my lifestyle on purpose, though. Because I had faith. But it kept happening. And those are the moments where you start to wonder, does God really want to heal you? Is this real? And that's when the Lord tried to show me unbelief. Olga, you have faith, but you have unbelief. You've got to deal with your unbelief. The worst thing about it is it's a chronic illness and they have no, um, no cure. And so isn't that funny? But I've learned to know that when there's no cure, that's the best because you have to trust God. There's nowhere else. And many times as Christians, you know, we just, we, and I know because my mom's a doctor. You run to medication. You're always running to the doctor. But God says, I am your physician. I am your physician. I am the God that healeth thee. And doctors are good. Don't, doctors don't get us are wrong. Good. But they're your last resort, not your first resort. And as believers, God is the greatest doctor. And it's getting to a point where you believe that at the depth of your soul. And so either way, so this stuff is going on and um, the Lord starts to teach me what, I'm, what we're talking about today. He starts to teach me the power of unbelief. He starts to show me where some of these things entered into my life. And he starts to say to me, will you keep believing in me till you see full victory? What I can tell you, so the last episode that I had, and that's been the last one I've had, 
I was having them frequently, almost weekly or every few days. It was at the start of this year, and I hadn't had that for, I hadn't had it then for a little while, right? But I noticed for me, it's been a progressive healing. I was begging for miracles, because I'd heard of stories like Sal getting miraculously healed, and I'm like, when's mine gonna happen? But what if yours isn't coming because the Lord wants to teach you how to not heal yourself, but how to stay in divine health? Because when you, when you understand the principles, you don't need someone to pray for you. You can just activate it. Do you understand what I mean? And so I'm looking for miraculous healing and that's not happening. But as I start to understand the word of God and activate the word of God, I start to see progressive healing. And it becomes progressive for me. And so this is what happens. So episode comes and I'm like, no, I'm not bowing down to you, episode. No. And so I'm doing my thing, right? And it's coming and I can just see things are starting to get crazy. And the car starts spinning. And Jamal I start speaking in tongues. And he knows when I get into that mode. And so it, it happens, but it continues. And I'm like, Satan, I'm not going to bow down to you. You have, and the Lord gave me this word. You know how he said, sin, you have no dominion over me? He said, oh, go say sickness, you have no dominion over me. And so as everything's spinning, I'm like, sickness, you have no dominion. And I'm saying that. And everything's spinning. I start to vomit. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I will not be afraid by what I see because the enemy will try and intimidate you. And I kept saying, you are not my friend. You are my enemy. Get out in Jesus' name. Get out. So I start to fight. I didn't used to fight before. I would just go lay down and pray and listen to Kenneth Hagin. And I would feel better. But the Lord started to teach me to fight. And so we get into the house. I didn't want the kids to see me in a bad place. I went to the living room, um, to the bath, to the bedroom. I took the bucket to start throwing up. And I'm on the floor throwing up. I tell Jamal, don't worry. Don't stay with me. Just go and be with the kids. And I'm praying and I'm holding on because you feel like you're being spun around, right? And I just want to lay in the bed. I just want to lay in bed. God, please, if I could just lay in the bed and sleep this through. Because many times when I sleep, I feel better the next day. And this stuff goes on for hours. I just want to lay in the bed. Do you know what he said? He said, don't get on the bed. I'm like, I just want to lay down. I'll feel better. And all I kept hearing was the bed of sickness. Not that my bed is sick, but the bed of sickness. So it's not so much a mindset, but I'm giving in. So he said, next word I heard, get up and go and do what you would normally do. So I try to get up. I don't have much strength. I'm holding on to the bucket. I'm like, I don't even understand because I can't see anything. I can't walk straight. Eventually, and he's like, this is it, Ogo. You say you believe. Amen. You're here praying and praying. Get up. So I pull myself up with the strength that I have, and I kind of lean on the wall to walk to the living room because I couldn't walk straight. I go, I sit in the chair in the sofa. I'm out of it. What did you, Jamal was like. She, she was literally out of it. I'm like, I, I, I thought if she stayed any longer like that, she was going to scare the kids. But um, he said, she looked like she was just drunk or something, <laughs> you know. And I was willing myself. Everyone say, will yourself. Will yourself. I was willing myself. You will fight. You will not. You will not allow this take dominion over you. And I stayed there. It was probably about 30 minutes. Then it all left. And I carried on with my normal day. And it hasn't come back since. Praise the Lord. 
and my hearing has significantly improved and has continued to improve. I have prayed for this for years. The power of God. When you choose to believe, you got victory. You have victory, irrespective, and that's the key. It can be very intimidating when it's right there, irrespective of how intimidating it looks. Amen. Everybody okay? Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much time we have. So, I mean, we, we do want to share a story, a testimony um, we'll that happened early on in our marriage. Some of you have heard it. Um, but this is how our marriage started off. This is how kind of how our marriage started, and, and we had to um, <laughs> really exercise our faith. Um, so Ogo and I, um, we, we started dating 2013. Yeah, 2013. Uh, it was somewhere around the summer, June, July, um, and it didn't take long. By December, we had booked flights to Nigeria. I was going to meet her parents and ask her hand in marriage. Um, now, you got to understand, like, Nigerian culture, it, it, there's a process in order to ask someone's hand in marriage. You know, in America, like, Thanksgiving is our, like, um, traditions. You know, we don't, we don't have that many traditions. But they have traditions for everything in Nigeria. And there's a traditional process that you go through in order to ask someone's hand in marriage. Um, so part of that process is that I show up at her parents' house uh, bearing gifts and ask for her hand in marriage. So the, for me to get there, and they were expecting me, it was extremely important that I made it. Does that make sense? So we planned this trip out. Um, Ogo grew up in England. She has um, aunties in England. She said, okay, before we go meet my parents, you got to meet my auntie in England. So I said, okay. So we fly over to England. We're staying at auntie's house, um, and we're there for what? A few days? I don't know. But we booked our flight. So we go from England to Nigeria, Nigeria. Uh, back to America. So I'm in England, <laughs> and we're there with our auntie. We're there enjoying ourselves for a few days, and uh, we're sitting down having dinner, and her aunt says to me, um, oh, do you have your visa for Nigeria? And I looked at Ogo, and I said, visa? I said, no, I don't, I don't have a visa. I, this is literally my words. I said, I have an American passport. I can go anywhere. That's what I said. And um, she's like, no, you need a visa to go to Nigeria. And I'm like, really? So our flight is the next day. So we're sitting there, um, and our flight is the next day. Excuse me. And, um, and she says this to me. And I, I'm like, OK, well, we're going to the airport. So we go to the airport with this idea, Ogo and I, that we're going to get on the plane, and they're going to let us on, right? No visa and all. So we show up, luggage and all, at the airport. And they're like, well, you can't get on the plane. And we're like, what do you mean? Well, you don't, you don't have a visa. You can't enter the country without a visa. Um, now, I got my shots. I did all of that stuff. But no one ever told us that we needed a visa. And, and she's supposed to know, by the way. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that's another story. So, um, so now... What happens is, okay, her parents, remember what I said, there's a process to ask her hand in marriage. Her parents are expecting me in Nigeria the next day. Um, I have to get to Nigeria. 
or who knows what happens. You know, will we get married? Probably not. And let me say that being Nigerian and the way we were raised, he wasn't probably on paper the best choice. American is not typically, you know. Nigerians <laughs> marry Nigerians. <laughs> right, right. He's not a doctor. He's not a lawyer, right? He's not Nigerian. So talk about negative on negative on negative. That's how they see it in that. And yeah, so you get my point. Right. So they were all my. They were already somewhat suspicious. Her mom loved me, but her dad was. Who are you bringing to my home? Was you know. But anyway. Um, so what do we do, right? So we, we go back to her aunt's house. And Ogo and I, you know, where one thing I, I, you know, she said, unbelief negates faith, right? We've always had faith. We, we've always had it. So by faith that day, you know what we did? We rented a locker at the airport and we put our luggage in the, in the locker. So we're not bringing our luggage back. And we went back to her auntie's house. And um, her aunt said, okay, you know what? I have a friend at the embassy. I'm going to call at the Nigerian embassy. I'm going to call her. So she calls her friend. Her friend says, okay, show up first thing in the morning. So we do that. We show up first thing in the morning. There's a line around the corner, literally around the corner. Um, keep in mind, our flights are booked and paid for. Ogo will get to that in a moment. So we, um, so the, the guy calls her and tells us, okay, look, there's a cafe down the road. Go in there. Fill out the application online for the visa, uh, once you submit your application, call me, I'll expedite you through the line and get you up front. So we're getting a favor from the friend. And we didn't know this then, but we learned later on, her friend is the one who actually stamps the passport. Like he's the, the head of the, uh, the consulate there, uh, the embassy. So we're, we're sitting at the cafe, we're like, okay, we're gonna get this done. And we start to fill out the application and we try to complete it and it won't allow us to complete the application. And we're like, well, what's going on? It won't allow us to complete the application. My birthday is December 21st, okay? We're traveling in November because we were going to spend Christmas there. So it was end of November. So my birthday is when my passport expired. So not only did I have a visa, I have a passport that's expiring, and I never even looked at it. So didn't even realize it. So, my so I don't even have a passport to legally go into this country. So that's why we couldn't complete the application. And they should never have let him come to the UK. I shouldn't, because yeah. usually you have to have three months, right? So they, I shouldn't, that's right, they, they should have never let me go to the UK. So we're there and we're like, okay, well now what do we do, right? And all so, I'm thinking is, my dad's gonna hate you. My dad's gonna hate you. So, so we're making phone calls, we're looking up things online, and what it says is I have to fly back to America renew my passport, get a visa, and then come back. That's the process that you must take. And we're like, well, uh, you know. <laughs> this whole time, my auntie, she's a prayer warrior. She's yeah, like she's a spiritual praying. mom. She's praying. She's like, like Moses with the rod, spread the waters. Literally, she's hardcore. Waters, you part. Woman. She's amazing. She was doing it. So as she's doing all that, she literally says, to, we call her, so we're telling her what's going on. She's like, it's, she's Nigerian. It's okay. It's okay. So what you do, go to the American embassy. That's right? what she said. She said, go to the embassy. And we're like, but auntie, they're not going to, he's in England. Right, he should right. be getting his thing. She's like, it doesn't matter. God will pack the waters. Not, not, no, she she's really is. And not only that, not only that, you need an appointment at the embassy. You yes. can't just walk in. Yeah. And point, people schedule their appointments days in advance. Yeah. So 
And our flight is later on that evening. Yeah. So she postponed the flight. We were supposed to fly that morning. And we were at the airport. She postponed it to later on that evening. That was our faith. We're going to fly the next day. So they had another flight that evening. They postponed it. And you got to understand, going to Nigeria during Christmas, flights are booked. Yeah. Like, you can't just get a seat, yeah. let alone two. Yeah. Um, so. We get to the embassy. Yeah, we get to the embassy. Um, I go. We, we get the pictures taken. We do all that stuff. By faith. We just, we're just moving in faith. And we do it. We get to the embassy. Uh, we show up. And they say, you need an appointment. So we go online. We schedule an appointment. An hour later, they call us in. An hour later. Now, people schedule their appointments days in advance. An hour later, they call us in. We go in there, and we do not know what's going to happen. Like, I got to explain my situation. We have no idea what they're going to say. I sit down. You want to talk about the easiest process I ever went through in my life. I wasn't even in there for 20 minutes, and I walk out with a six-month passport. It was crazy. So six he, months, yeah. American passport, stamped and everything from uh, the uh, embassy in England. So he's walking out. He's like, I did it. I did it. I call my auntie. Auntie, we've got the passport. The American's like, I told you. Now, you go back to the Nigerian embassy. It is done. It is done. <laughs> so, so... So we do, and, and you got to understand, so the, the, they're ne these places aren't next they're to each far. other. They're far. So we're hopping on the train. We got to go back now to, to the Nigerian embassy. And when we get there, people that were in that line at 7 a.m. are still in that line. They're still standing in that line to get through. Like we saw some of the same faces. So, um, so we bring it there. And, and in the meantime, there's a whole lot going on with Ogo and the airlines. I'll let her tell that part. Well, I mean... They wouldn't, they were trying to charge more. So they were saying the prices had gone up, blah, blah, blah. Cut the long story short. We didn't have to pay much more. They rescheduled our flight and it was absolutely fine. It was the exact flights we needed and the exact changes. We had to change um, airports that we needed perfectly. Well, she's not doing it any justice. Because time, because of time. I know because of time, but it's, it's significant. So yeah. they wanted, they, they kept telling us the only seats that were available because we needed two were first class seats. Yes. And they were charging 20,000 pounds for yes. these seats. Not dollars, pounds at that point in time. And, and we're like, well, there's no way we can pay for these seats. And what really happened is right uh, while we're at the, uh, the Nigerian embassy and, and we gave them my passport and they took it upstairs, in that same moment, the lady from the airport called Ogo and said, two people just canceled their flight with the exact same flight details that you had. Yeah. Now, that's important because her parents live in what's called Portakot. And there's a couple of ways to get there. You can go through Lagos. You can go through Abuja. You can go through all these different airports to get there. So we needed the exact same flight. Legs. And that's what they had. Um, and it wasn't even, it was like a difference of 50 pounds yeah. was the price. We just had to make it there at a certain time in order to get on the flight. Um, so we get there. A guy comes down. He takes my, um, my passport. He goes upstairs. Ten minutes later, he stamps my visa and brings it out. All these people are still in line. So now we got to get on the train and go to the airport, which was not around the corner either. <laughs> we got to the airport at exactly the right time to get on the flight before they just closed the flight. That whole, so the miracle of an American with an expired passport in a foreign place, it made no sense. But God, we say that to say this, God honors your faith. He honors your faith. And you can't tell me that you I wasn't supposed to, to marry moving. this woman either. 
Last one we do want to say before we close off, last story, and I feel led to say this. So many times we kind of sometimes struggle with things that we don't always understand the source of, and I want to say sometimes it's just prayer, you just need to pray, you need to fast, but the truth is we do live in a, a spiritual world, and I think it's important that we understand that. For me, you know, that's the, the, something that happened to me a few months ago. So living in New York, you kind of always feel exhausted. You always feel stressed to an extent, don't you? You always feel tired to an extent. And I always had this headache, this constant headache. Not the migraines, that was different, but this constant pressure. Maybe pressure is the right word. Um, and if I didn't sleep very well or if I, I had a lot of appointments, it would be worse. But this uneasy... Um, sense that only Tylenol at the time would get rid of. And so I began to have that over the past few years. I didn't really know what it was until um, I felt the Lord said that you have, it's a spirit of stress. And I'm like, what does that even mean? So I've never even heard that before, but I, I, I listened to a teaching and I understood that. What I'll say is this, I prayed, I, got, I went through the prayer of deliverance. I was radically delivered and I've never felt that again. And I say that to say this, that there are things that we might deal with at times that is not necessarily medical, but is actually rooted spiritually. I believe that the Lord has called us Christians to live victoriously, free from sickness, disease, and torment. And sometimes the root of sickness, not all the time, but sometimes the root of the sickness and torment. So for me, it was torment. This constant gnawing pain and pressure was actually demonic. And it wasn't until I was delivered from that. And for those that don't understand what that means, and we have good, you have angels and you obviously have demons, right? These are real, real things. But God says that he's given us power over all, right? Principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and in, in, in high places. And so just be sensitive. And if there are things that you're dealing with repeatedly, you don't understand, you have the authority. Tell that thing, pray, and to tell to get off of you. And if, you, if there are people in your life that you feel can support you and pray with you, get those people around too. But there are things that might not always be physical. That's what I'm trying to say. And, and I, I, just to add to that, you know, you, you, you have to talk to the Lord. Mm. Um, you know, in every example that Ogo gave, you know, the Lord spoke to her. The Lord showed her the way. And, you know, I, I just feel like God wants us to know that he never stops talking. He, he doesn't shut up. You know, if you listen, it's true. If you, if you have kids like my son, he never stops talking, like ever. And, and if he's awake, he's talking. And that's, that's fine. And, and, you know, but that's how God is. You know, God never stops talking. If we listen, he's always talking. And he will always, you know, the Bible says, ask for wisdom and you will receive it. It doesn't say you might. He doesn't say he'll only tell you some things. He says, no, you will receive it. That's a practical application of the word. Ask and you will receive. So we need to learn how to do that in these moments. We don't always have to, and, and having people pray for you is good. That's what the body is for. We're there to encourage each other. But the Bible also says encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, go to God, like go to him yourself, you know, and every example that Ogo gave about healing, no one prayed for her. No, she didn't go to anyone for prayer. You know, she didn't ask anyone for prayer. God gave her the solution. She prayed for herself. And we have to start walking in that type of authority and victory in our everyday lives. Amen. That's where God wants us to be as his church. 
Amen. So uh, just as we close off, I just want to um, go through, like, what are things we can do practically, right? What are practical things we can do to apply some of the principles we've just discussed today? The first one that we have here is just um, let the Lord show you misconceptions you have. R the root of unbelief, whether it's from your personal experiences you've had, um, where are areas you believe wrong, you believe wrongly? Um, ask the Lord to show those things to you because often if you don't know them, then you don't really know the root, right? And then you sometimes can't deal with it. That's the first thing. The second thing we just have here is renew your mind. Renew your mind. You have to read the word of God. Listen to messages. Read the word of God. You don't, you can't, as a believer in this day and age with the confusion and the deception, you need the word of God. You, you will get so confused that you will know whether you're standing to the left or to the right. You and, and, need the word of God. And, and when you're renewing your mind, and I think this is important, you know, you, you, you have to, whatever it is that you're believing for, you have to stay in that place. And if it means reading that same scripture over and over and over and over again, that's what you have to do. You know, the Bible says chew on the word. And, and, and I talked about my son Elijah. If it was up to him, he'd eat peanut butter and jelly every single day. He loves peanut butter and jelly. And if you engaged him, he will talk to you about peanut butter and jelly <laughs> all day long. But why can he talk about it? Because he loves to consume it, right? You know, it's, it's so simple for us. If we consume that word, whatever it is you're believing for, you find that scripture, you consume it, you eat it over and over and over again, and it'll be the only thing that will come out of you when you talk about it. With a lot of the stuff that's going on right now, it can be quite overwhelming for believers. I remember say, I said to the Lord, what do we even do outside praying? What do we do? What do believers do with everything going on? He said, just be the light. Be the light. And how do you be the light? you got to know the light. If you come and tell me stuff about Tammy or Bill, because I know Tammy and Bill, if it doesn't line up with what I know of them, if it's nonsense, I'll tell you it's nonsense. I know Tammy. I'm like, take your nonsense and get out of here. I know Tammy and Bill. Take your gossip elsewhere. Now, if you come and tell me something about someone who I don't know, I'm probably a bit more open because I don't know them. Get to know who God is. Amen. When you know God for yourself, no one can tell you otherwise. Recently, the Lord was saying to me, he said, any ideology that puts anything ahead of God, of human is wrong. So let me explain that to you. So it's a revelation I'd never seen, but I'm excited about it because I just started to see it. So it's this idea that when he made creation, why do you think he made humans last? Humans are his pride and joy. He gave us dominion. Why did he make them last but make everything first? Because he wanted to have everything ready for them. Do you know everything he created then is what we're still living off now? He's never had to make any more because you have all that you need. The same oxygen, the same trees, the same things that he made all those years is the same stuff that has continued and kept us till today. Nothing has changed, but because we are his pride and joy, he kept us because he didn't want Adam and Eve to go, oh, I need food. And he goes, oh, give me a minute. Let me go make them trees. Give me one second. He didn't want them to stress. So he created everything first. 
So simple, but mind-blowing. Animals, trees, and then he made us to take dominion. So human life is the most important thing. Anything, whether it be the environment, whether it be animals, I don't care what it is, but if it goes and is prioritized over human life, it is not rooted in the kingdom of God. Bible, I'm just teaching you Bible, that's all. And so, understand who God is so no one can tell you otherwise. Amen. And, and I, I just want to add to that because in this time where we're confined and many of us to our homes and, and depending on where you are, you still can't go out and, and, and do things and, and touch people in a way. And, and when you do have the opportunity to go out, people are willing to listen right now more so than ever. They, they are willing to listen. But you can still serve no matter where you are. And serving is a way to shine the light of Christ. You know, you know, God said, you know, take care of the orphans and the widows, right? And, and we got we to gotta think of orphans differently. If someone does not know Christ, they're an orphan. You have orphans in your workplace. You have orphans that are your neighbors. You can serve those people and show them the light of Christ. And, and that's what they need to see. That's what we can do right now in this season, in this moment, even despite where they tell you you can or cannot go. Amen. Number three, fight till you see breakthrough. Fight till you see breakthrough. You have to fight. Often that issue that is bothering you, that is affecting you so much, that is your test, is often your testimony. The area where the enemy just goes at you and goes at you, goes at you. That's probably your calling. I couldn't talk about sickness and healing if I haven't been attached so much in sickness and healing. And the testament I gave you is probably 10% of what I've seen over the years. But God has always put me through. People say I should be dead by now. On paper, I should actually be dead by now. But I've seen the power of God. And so, fight. Don't give up. Don't give up. The fourth thing, speak in tongues. When you don't know what to do, the spirit of Christ lives in you. As he is, so are you. So the answer is here. The answer is already in your spirit. Sometimes you just got to speak in tongues to get it out. And if, and if you don't speak in tongues, you, you, you have to go after it. You have, to, you have to do it. You have to go and get it. You know, the first time I spoke in tongues... Um, was sitting in um, uh, an apartment on the Upper East Side at a men's group. And someone said to me, do you speak in tongues? And I said, no. And the men gathered around at that time, and we didn't leave until I spoke in tongues. But that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. You, you, if, you, if you want it, 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 number one, it's critical that we speak in tongues in, 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 in our heavenly language. So if you don't do it, you have to go after it and learn how to do it. On a practical side, I know for me, even in business, for those of you who know in work or business, there's so many times where I haven't had answers until I've spoken in tongues, and then the answer comes. Because Jesus is, I, the Spirit of God is already in you. And many times there are just significant decisions you have to make. And the CEO is looking at you, um, and I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, I have no idea the answer to this question, but I'm being paid to give you an answer. Give me a minute, I'll get back to you tomorrow, which literally means I'm going to speak in tongues somewhere. And I'm going to come back and give you the answer. And the answer is always right. Because, and it's from heaven. It's not me. 
we all have the spirit of God in us. So let's tap into that. And then just lastly, exercise your faith. Break comfort zones. So like that Wi-Fi story. That is not something typically that I would pray for. Because it's not healing. It's not something dramatic. Right? But God has come to give us an abundant life. So start looking at areas where you typically wouldn't necessarily feel the need for. And understand God has already created it. And have faith for those things. God has called us. There's often many times we have faith for certain things. But not for everything. Don't be that baby that says, Dad, it's okay. Just take care of this. But I'll take care of this right? God has everything already taken care of. So receive everything from God. Amen. Amen. And, and, and pray for the Wi-Fi. <laughs> it, might, it, it might not seem big, but if you want to be able to pray for those big things, then start yes. with the Wi-Fi. Amen. Start Amen. with whatever the Wi-Fi situation is in your life. Start there. Build up, or, or not build up your faith, but break down your unbelief Amen. in that area. So we're going to pray. So if everyone can just kind of stand up Amen. and, um, and the worship praise team. God for that. The yeah. worship team can come forward. Amen. Amen. And we hope um, you've gleaned something from this. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we, um, we did touch on salvation today. Um, and if there's anybody here or at home on Zoom and, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to pray for you today as well. Um, if you're in the room and, and, and you want to come up front, please do. Uh, we do want you to know him as we know him. Yes. Amen. Amen. This is family. If you want to know the Lord, if you want to know the, your creator, the person that made you, this is home. This is family. Feel free to come forward. If you're on Zoom, just close your eyes. The Lord's right there with you. And we'll just lead you through a prayer quickly. Yes, Lord. We'll give you a few minutes. If there's anyone here, you can come. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for those watching on Zoom, YouTube, those that are here. We thank you that you knew that we would come together today even before we were created. For those that are accepting you into their hearts, Lord God, you see them. And so just say after me if you want to accept Jesus into your heart. Lord Jesus, I accept you into my heart as my Lord and personal Savior. I repent of all the sin that I've committed. And I decide and declare today that you are Lord of my life. Thank you. For dying for, me. for dying for me. Thank you. Thank you. For being my savior. For being my savior. Thank you. Thank you. That when I die, that when I die, I will see you. I will see you. In heaven. In heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We want to. We also want to pray 
for anyone who feels that they are struggling with unbelief right now. Um, you can stay where you are. You can come up front. And it's unbelief for anything, no matter what you're believing for. You could be believing for a job, for a car, for a husband, for a wife, for a baby, for healing. It doesn't matter. If you're struggling with unbelief in any area of your life, we just want to pray with you today. that your word says he who the son has set free is free indeed and so we bring those that have come forward before you and we just break up every spirit of unbelief from off of them in Jesus name we thank you Lord that you have delivered them from their sin sickness and pain when you died on the cross hear the Lord saying forgive for some of you that have unbelief you just need to forgive forgive yourself forgive God forgive the person that hurt you so father we thank you for giving them the grace to forgive for those that need to freedom over their lives, freedom to believe in Jesus' name. Man, I just hear the Lord saying that you are loved, that you are loved dearly, that you are worthy of everything you are believing for. You're worthy of it. In fact, it's already yours. But the Lord is saying, learn to receive receive what he has already given you it's there it's there waiting for you to grab it for you to pull it down the Lord is saying receive he loves you he blesses you it's already done also felt the Lord saying for you guys that have come forward stop looking through your carnal eyes don't look at what you see the word of God is the absolute truth it's not half of the truth it is not out of fashion it is present and powerful 